Green Bay, Wisconsin. I'm Tyler Dunn. That there is Bob McGinn in the great state of Michigan. Bob, it's good to be back uh, to the motherland, your motherland. You lived here much longer than me, but it looks much different. I'm uh, just around the corner from Brett Favre Pass, about a Hail Mary or two away from Lambeau Field. And man, they've expanded the old, I think the old title town district, right? That's what they're calling it here. It's a different yeah. world, a different world, but love being back. It's, it's cool to just kind of drive around to the, the same coffee shops and the same Jimmy John's. And we've got a lot cooking here in Green Bay at Go Along that you'll see and listen to uh, over the coming days and weeks. So thank you everyone, as always, for listening to the Time Bob Pod here at Go Long, Favre at Go Long, the Go Long Show, and reading all of our content with the playoffs in high gear. It's a perfect time to subscribe if you're new to Go Long. Paying subscribers get everything, all stories, all podcasts, including this one with the Pro Football Hall of Famer himself, Robert McGinn. How in the hell are you, Bob? Well, pretty good after Monday night, Tyler. I'm wow. beaming. Colleges, that's not your game, Tyler. Okay, I get that, man. I was thinking about you. I was watching it. Uh, you know what? The, I was on a flight uh, to Milwaukee, flew into Milwaukee, but there was somebody sitting in front of me and to the right that was watching the game on their phone. So I was kind of like keeping an eye on Michigan-Washington through through that vantage point. Not ideal. I didn't I didn't see it as intently as you, but uh, kind of a bloodbath, right? They just took it to them, huh? Yeah, I mean, it was closer than the final score indicated. You know, I mean, it was 20 to 13 for a long time, and I just thought Penix, I had studied Washington on three games getting ready for the draft, that he was just going to unload a bomb or two and, and beat Michigan, but it never happened, and that defense really held. Yep. See, I, I had the opposite take. I mean, it, it seemed like Michigan was in control, right? I don't know. It's confusing panics, getting after them. Were you but, nervous through this well, one? Well, I was up in East Lansing in late September with my wife, Pat, and we saw that aerial circus. Uh, it was like 35 nothing at halftime. I mean, Udunzi and these three receivers and panics, it was just acrobatic catches, Tyler. It was just an unbelievable thing. And so I saw that live, and then I saw three other games on tape, and I saw just scoring. It was just a, a point parade. And I just didn't know how if Michigan could hold up for 60 minutes, but I was a skeptic, and I was wrong, fortunately. Congratulations. <laughs> You've got to be on cloud nine. This is, uh, well, our, this is a great week for Bob McGinn. You know, our buddy Michael Cohen has won a whole bunch of titles with his UConn Husky basketball team, right? So the two sports I care about and as alum is football and basketball. Well, this is my uh, second football title in my career. Um, And they won one NCAA basketball title in 89. But Tyler, in NCAA championship games in my lifetime, Michigan is one and six. So I was a bit of a basket case Monday night, Ah. hoping for a third and fearing deep disappointment. You know what, though? That's a beautiful thing that you have a team to root for. I I joke with, like, my friends and family not really having anything at this point, <laughs> right? So 
the curse of the sports order. I mean, I went to Syracuse, but at the Daily Orange, it's still so recent and so fresh. And we covered the team as an independent campus newspaper. So it's not like we're storming the court and wearing orange and rah, rah cheerleading at all. So I'm, I, I'm not really there yet with Syracuse. Neither are they any good in either sport. Like we've talked about on here as a kid. I mean, I grew up just an absolute diehard Packers fan in Western New York. And then you get into journalism and kind of strip that fandom out of you and doing those internships out here helped. Yeah, you root for the story, not for the team, all that jazz. But it's so cool to see you get excited about Michigan because I think it, yeah. it it's good to have that in your life, to have something to to be happy about in athletics. I think so, Tyler. Um, you know, I'm a sports journalist, number one, and an alum, number two, you know. So when I watch Michigan games, I just analyze it like I'm analyzing anything. When I go to these basketball games, I got I'm the only one in there with printed rosters for both teams, you know. And so, you know, I mean, I can see Michigan and all the problems and foibles they have. But yeah, you're right. It does the one one team in sports. My high school closed right after my graduation. It's the one team in sports that I have an affinity for. And, you know, again, my career comes first, Michigan comes second, but I've kind of balanced the two out and it's been fun. (laughs) Beautiful. Well, the playoffs are here and the Green Bay Packers, according to Brett Favre, we just recorded our podcast. He says this is the, uh, you know, the hottest team in the NFL, but the hottest quarterback in the NFL that the Packers hit a home run in Jordan Love. He would not be surprised one bit if they went to Dallas, his old house of horrors in the early 90s, and beat the number two-seeded Cowboys. It would not surprise him at all. So let's just get right to it. Would it surprise you, Bob, if Green Bay went into Jerry's world and uh, just kept humming along? Uh, Tyler, I would, I'll predict Green Bay to win. They're, what, seven-and-a-half-point dogs? I will pick them to win. Should I cite my reasons? I've... A very rare prediction. Can I just jump in quick? You, Bob McGinn doesn't make predictions. If you use the word prediction, prognostication, forecast, he he's disgusted with you. He wants to he wants to puke, pretty much. Um, I wish people could see you when I try to get predictions out of you on this show. You didn't make predictions at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel? The only beat writer who did not do that, did not partake. And here you are, Wednesday, saying the Green Bay Packers are going to beat the Dallas Cowboys. I wish I had some music to go with that emphatic statement. I just think uh, the Cowboys and their fans, I think they're just going to look by this game. I don't... uh... And I've seen the Cowboys a lot this year, probably 11 or 12 games. I see a couple reasons for this, for my pick. That pass rush, the noise doesn't really hurt at defense. And here I think the pass rush, Gary can get all over Terrence Steele. Tyron Smith has been off and on in injuries. I mean, Preston Smith played pretty good. But inside, you got Tyler Smith and Zach Martin. They haven't played in several weeks. They both should be back. They're both terrific players. But again, the way Wyatt and Brooks now are rushing the passer, Biotis is a small center. Uh, he's like Bradbury of the Vikings. They've been they've gotten after him. 
I think the pass rush can swing the tide. Uh, Jair Alexander, maybe he'll be excited to uh, to play a one-on-one selfish type matchup. You'll probably get that opportunity. <laughs> and he could uh, he could hang with CeeDee Lamb if he's in form. Um, what else about the offense? Do I see Pollard running against uh, the Packer front? He could. Yeah, he could. But it's not Emmett Smith or some back like that that we saw those three years, 30 years ago, uh, beat Green Bay in the playoffs. All right, so on defense, I think I think they can hang in. Now on offense, they can't get behind. But I assume Dylan plays so he can get 15, 20 snaps. And Jones is in rare form. You can run on the Cowboys. Everybody has all year. You got Jonathan Hankins, who's been much traveled, is the only real run playing run stopper they have. Well, he just came off an injury, played 13 snaps against Washington. He's kind of just a guy. Mozzie Smith, the backup knows, I know from Michigan, like the back of my hand, he's not really a factor at all. He's had a, a pretty poor rookie year. And the inside backers, I mean, after Vander Esch left, you got Marquise Bell, a converted safety, basically. And Damone Clark is just a guy. So, yeah, the pass rush will be tough with the noise. Um, But I really think Zach Tom can play very good ball against Parsons. On the other side, Walker has come on. He'll see Demarcus Lawrence, Sam Williams, Fowler. Yeah, they have a lot of pass rushers. Odazua inside, he can hurt the guards. But I think the way the physicality that Green Bay offensive line has showed recently with Ryan Runyon now responding to the challenge of Ryan maybe playing his best football. I think Jenkins and Myers have both come on and the young tackles have been pretty solid. Um, And then outside, you got a bunch of weapons flitting around. Um, You got a really good corner in Gilmore who's coming off an injury to his shoulder, says he's going to play. On the other side, Deron Bland is, what, five pick sixes? But yet, I've seen him struggle in, in just normal uh, situations. Jordan Lewis is okay. The safeties are just average players. Detroit went in there and beat them officially, two, unofficially, two weeks ago. They got drilled at Buffalo on December 17th. I mean, they laid an egg against Arizona. They got destroyed at San Francisco. This Cowboy team is not like Jimmy Johnson team and Troy Aikman back 30 years ago. And if they look by Green Bay, which I think they probably will, I think they're going down. And I see Jordan Love. If they can stay ahead and get out of third and long, stay ahead of the stick, stay ahead on the board or even on the board, he's just going to make plays to these receivers who are going to be open. And Aaron Jones will gain a lot of yards against that front. Um, so I don't know. I see a real close game, 20, 28, 27, something like that. Green Bay. Perfectly said elite breakdown. I could not agree more. I, I think, and, and it might seem like we're, uh, catering to the audience here, but our audience would know we're not at all. You've been critical of the Packers at various junctures this season. So have I out of that Tampa Bay game to think where they were 
after Baker Mayfield posts the first perfect passer rating at Lambeau Field for quarterback ever. I mean, it's it's crazy that we're sitting here having this conversation, but I can see the defense stealing a few possessions from Dallas. I think they're going into this game blissfully ignorant. The youngest team in the NFL, a quarterback who's calm, cool, not emotional one way or the other. They are going to be undaunted in Jerry's world, in my opinion. They're not going to be blinded by the lights, blinded by Dallas's talent. Defensively, I mean, they'll give up some plays, but I, I can see that pass rush, as you know, getting the Dak Prescott just enough to get off the field. And I don't know how Dallas stops Green Bay's offense. I really don't. I mean, maybe that Buffalo game is still so fresh in my mind, but it was embarrassing. It was like watching a high school football game when one team is just completely overwhelmed by the other. You know, we, we were a running football team. I could run the ball 50, 60 times, and it was like automatic sometimes. Seven, eight yards a clip. It was like watching a, an overmatched team getting embarrassed. I mean, there's nothing more emasculating in football when you know exactly what the offense is going to do, and there's nothing you can do about it. Now, Jonathan Hankins wasn't on the field. And and that's a massive presence. But as you know, I don't think he's 100% or close to it. Even if he's out there, I, Green Bay is going to have success running the football. They found their running game in the nick of time. You know, just I mentioned, mentioned in Favre. There was that, that year that Green Bay lost to San Francisco in the wild card. God, 98. It kind of reminds me of that. Like Dorsey Levins was kind of heating up at the right time for that offense. Remember? It's like, what what's clicking for you right when you get into the playoffs? I think it's Aaron Jones getting healthy. It's this offensive line moving people. And that's not even to mention Jordan Love just reading the whole field. He's not locking into one player, one receiver. He, he is figuring out where your weakness is, and it's processing at an extremely rapid rate. So I, I'd be more concerned how in the hell Dallas is going to stop Green Bay's offense more than how in the hell is Green Bay going to stop Dallas's offense. And I'd go Green Bay in a shootout as well. Tyler, when Green Bay went into uh, Detroit, right, that was on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Right. And won that game on a short week and dominated the Lion offensive line. That was a month ago. I've never forgotten that. Is there harder to win at Dallas in the playoffs or at Detroit on Thanksgiving? I don't know. I don't know, but I saw him do it once on the road this year. That was a great victory. And they've won three in a row. I mean, Carolina was a bad performance, but they hammered a horrible Minnesota team with that quarterback situation. And they beat a tough Bears team. So, I don't know. One thing One thing I will point out, you know, the current uh, playoff setup with 44 gets in in each conference, you only had three years of that. So the number seven seeds, which Green Bay is this year, they're zero and six in that first game, outscored 12.2. <laughs> so this would be the first seven to win. The number six seeds, which the Rams will be at Detroit this weekend, the six seeds are four and two. So these upsets do happen late in those seedings. And I just see another one happening here. I'm sure Jerry Jones will take the loss in stride. <laughs> Mike might go if he goes down. Could. There's a psychological element to it where if you're Mike McCarthy, I mean, you've been dealing with this owner for a while now. So maybe 
maybe he's figured out you, know, he, you can't control an owner like that. So why would you even stress out about it? But you can't tell me that's not in the back of Mike McCarthy's head into this game, that if he loses, there's no guarantees. He could be fired and you're facing the team that you coached forever. You can go one of two ways. I mean, you might want to stick it to Green Bay. They fired him in the middle of the season, right? Mike, Mark Murphy handed the pink slip with some games still on the docket. So he might he might be looking for some revenge in this game. I, I tend to think that the, the, the fear of losing your job, though, it's you, you're only human. Any Anybody is going to be thinking of that. Yeah, and, 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 it, and it could tense you up. It could tense you up. Or Green Bay, they don't know what they don't know. They're playing free. They're the youngest team in the NFL. They've got nothing to lose. I'll just say this, though, and I'll have a story later this week sitting down with a starter on this team. And I kind of framed a question that way. You know, the the, the blissful ignorance of it all, house, money, nothing to lose. And he didn't he didn't really like that wording. It, he said, no, we've, we've got our own expectations. Like they're they're not looking at this as happy to be here. Whatever happens, happens. They they are going there to beat the Dallas Cowboys, and they don't give a shit about seeding or records or any of that. Um, the one real weakness in Green Bay I see the terrible matchup is that kicker. Now Aubrey just missed a couple kicks this week, didn't he, for the first time all year? But he is thirty six out of thirty eight now on field goals, and I don't trust Carlson Tyler. In a big moment down there, we saw what Mason Crosby won that game with that or tied the game with that fantastic kick. This is not Mason Crosby this time of year. I don't trust Carlson, and, and that could uh, that could upend the Packers. I think. I'm glad you brought that up. That's a major factor in these playoff games that are one on the fringes. Kicking, you don't know what you're getting. Extra point, fifty five yarder. I feel like it's a coin flip. Either way at this point. Yeah. All right. Well, good stuff. Way to get it going here, Bob. How do you want to start well, the look back? I imagine look- everybody's kind of looking forward more than looking back, but you'd probably have some thoughts let's, on the on the win over Chicago. Let's look a little bit back at it. Um, uh, the offensive line right now, it's just allowing minimal penetration. Um, they double team sweat in this game. Just, I mean, he was a non-factor. Montez sweat. Um, so I love what the O line did in this game. Yeah, you know, all the attention on Aaron Jones, and he really ran great. But the lineman, one sack. Rasheed Walker gave up a bull sack to uh, Walker early, three point three seconds. But other than that, the pressure was minimal. Um, We've discussed these linemen. They're playing just the way I said on the intro. Uh, the receivers, you know, just making plays, man. Melton, he, he's just got a feel in these zones. He's running a reverse now. They ran him twice on reverses. Wicks making plays, outrunning people. He's a pesty blocker, I wrote down. Uh, Reed. Man, a wheel route out there for 59, 38 after the catch, coming off jet motion. Uh, beats Dominique Stevenson inside for 14, takes a big hit right after the throw. Hell of a play. Uh, the tight ends are fine. Musgrave might play more snaps in this game. How many did he play? 
Musgrave played only nine. I expect we'll see him more. Uh, Aaron Jones. Tyler, why does he keep rubbing his hands on his jersey after first downs or good game? What's, what does that signify? Yeah. He's, he's polishing himself off, Bob. It's a big play. Po- oh. Polish yourself off, right? Okay. All right. I got you. Okay. Thank you, T. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here for you. Um, Although I'm old at this point, Bob. There's a lot of stuff that is done and said. And I I don't know. Slang today and mannerisms today. Yeah, I'm 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 becoming old. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, Justin Jones. I mean, he he hits uh, Aaron Jones in the backfield. It should have been minus one. He spins off the thing, gets plus five. All right, that's enough there. Let's go to the quarterback. Um, he got Chicago to waste a timeout subbing. We haven't really seen much of that this year. That was a nice. Nice little uh, feature. Um, 92-yard drive when they're challenged in the first half. Throws off his back foot. Third and one for 10-yard touchdown. Just great stuff. The end of the half, uh, I didn't know the rule, Tyler. Did you know that rule? That you can't run backwards and get out of bounds without getting. All right. So, But they they're paid to know this stuff. So, yeah, he could have thrown it in the dirt. He could have thrown it out of bounds. He could have hit, maybe thrown the ball more upfield to get him going forward. So that that cost him three points, both with combination of Lafleur, Wicks, and Love. Okay, the only other mistake he was basically perfect, other than the third and two fumble. Looks like he screwed up the audible and then tried to run it. Would have had the first down. Helmet on the ball from Stevenson, strip. Bears get it. Uh, first play, first play on offense after that fumble makes a beautiful play action fake and hits Reed for a fifty nine on that wheel sideline deal. Just bounced right back. Third and eight towards the end makes a nice escape and hits Kraft for sixteen on a leak out. Played very well. Played very well. The whole offense. Uh, they only scored seventeen points. They should have had more. The kicker missed one. But um, the O-line allowing minimum penetration. Now, we'll see if they can do that against Otazua, uh, Parsons, and company. It's going to be a lot tougher. Um, crowd noise will be against them. That is definitely a factor. It's not playing at Lambeau now. So that's it on offense. T, you got a thought? You know, they should have scored a lot more than they did. I never really felt like it was – as close of a game as the final score indicated. And that's, that's not to just kind of brush red zone issues to the side. Like you've got to finish. I mean, if they're going to be Dallas, you've got to find a way to come away with touchdowns, not field goal attempts and, and score. But I just think the ease in which they moved the ball up and down the field and it's Aaron Jones and Dontavian Wicks and gosh, Tucker Craft, Bo Melton, the fact that it's just somebody different on a play-to-play basis. I Like you, I try to watch as much football as, as I can, and I can't think of another offense that just disperses the ball to a higher volume of, of weapons right now at this point of the season than, than Green Bay. It's They're so unpredictable, um, and I think that's a testament 
to the quarterback. He's not picking favorites. If you drop a ball in the first quarter, he's not going to ice you out the rest of the game like his predecessor. No, he's he's going to stick with him. He's going to throw the ball to the player that's open. This is what a lot of people missed last year when they're trying to figure out what Green Bay should do at quarterback and thinking they should hang on to Aaron Rodgers. I mean, there were a lot of throws in rhythm that he just didn't take. And he's kind of patting the ball. And that's fine when you're a decade younger and you can improvise and freelance and make the sort of plays that won him all those MVPs. But it's it's not when you don't have Devontae Adams, when you have these young receivers. And, and he really wasn't willing to grow with these young receivers. Jordan Love has grown with these young receivers. And he's going to find the open man. So I... I just don't know what you do defensively. Like Brett Favre mentioned the idea of seeing ghosts and early in his career, he'd, he'd see ghosts and he brought up specific examples where he thought there was a cornerback blitzing or off the edge. And then on film, that player isn't even there. And I think that's probably normal for a lot of quarterbacks, especially young ones. Jordan Love isn't seeing ghosts right now. I mean, Dan Quinn's going to try and maybe he can get a pass rush going that can, throw love off but I I don't see it I mean Brian Flores is a hell of a coordinator and there's nothing that he was able to really do in his house Chicago's defense was playing well at the time it's about finishing it's about coming away with touchdowns when it gets condensed well said Tyler um yeah love is an equal opportunity employer isn't he he will go anywhere yep I love it All right, the defense, you know, the Bears, by the middle of the first quarter, were down two starting offensive linemen. Now, their weakest link is the center, Lucas Patrick, the ex-Packer, but he still didn't play, and that put uh, Dan Feeney in there ahead of Cody Whitehair. Man, Whitehair's really slipped late in his, that's his eighth year, and Feeney is not a good player anymore. He's been around a long time. And then, uh, then their tough guy, right guard, Nate Davis, went out in the first quarter, and that put Whitehair in the lineup. Um, and that hurt him. There, there's no question about it. But still, I don't think it hurt him that much. All right, the big games. Rashawn Gary. Whew, he played well against Darnell Wright, who's a really good rookie right tackle. I mean, right away, it penetrated against Fields, hits him for minus four. He trashed Cole Komet on a short run. He gets a flush against Mercedes Lewis. Third and 10, he get, uh, draws a holding penalty against Wright. He bats a ball on third and five in the fourth quarter. Then he jumped off sides, which was a terrible mistake. But Gary really tuned up for this game. Looked great. Uh, Preston Smith, he's over there against Braxton Jones, that left tackle that I like. Um, he got a sack against... Oh, he set up the sack by uh, Quay Walker on that run through uh, by beating Jones. He got the flush and then he got another flush against Jones. I mean, Preston Smith, he's a finisher, Tyler. His pressure is not consistent, but when he does get a pressure, he'll get a knockdown or a sack. He's done it all, what, four years in Green Bay? All right, on the outside, you got Van S. Um, he got a bull rush against Braxton Smith. Took him right back to the quarterback, 3.0 seconds sack. And then, uh, I mean, they all did some things. Wyatt against Tevin Jenkins, who's really played well the second half at left guard. He beat him up the field, edged him, 3.0 sack from inside. 
What about Brooks? It makes a great play on a screen. This is the kid from Bowling Green. Minus three, comes out of the stack, makes the play. And then he kills Jenkins on a, another edge sack one-on-one. 2.1 seconds from inside. That shows he's got burst. I've been timing these sacks for 25 years, Tyler. To have a DT do that in 2.1, that's extraordinary. And even Colby Wood in 96, I mean, second half, he shed uh, Braxton Jones, makes a tackle for no gain. Uh, Anik Barre, he got... He got away with it. He wouldn't. Uh, he wasn't honoring fields on those RPOs. He guessed right, and uh, he made two stops for uh, tackle for loss. I guess one was a one zero, one minus two. But it, the, the whole front and Kenny Clark played really good too. He had a sack against Feeney on a on a TT twist. <laughs> that was in conjunction with Brooks. Uh, he and Brooks now become Dallas. They have these really good guards. And an, at least a savvy center in Biotish. But the boy, they're going to be studying these TTs. And then they set up another sack uh, with another TT with Brooks. Um, all right, that's the front. Let's go to the backers. Um, Quay Walker was fine. Uh, he had he ran in and killed Herbert on that on a flush. He also ran in, was disruptive on a running play, made the stop for minus one. Uh, he had a mistaken coverage on a 33-yarder on a match coverage, it looked like. Let's go to the secondary. Um, Valentine, I thought he was pretty good. I mean, he, he made a nice end zone breakup to commit on a ball. He dropped an interception, but still it was an excellent play. Um, who else? Uh, Savage and uh, Jonathan Owens, they weren't really tested. The running game was pretty much snuffed up front. And Fields didn't really do much downfield, so they were fine. Alexander played the entire game basically at right corner. Uh, made a nice end zone breakup against Robert Tunyon. I don't know. And then there was this play early in the third quarter, third or fourth play. I mean, can you imagine having this on tape when Komet pulls from right to left and he's going out towards Alexander? And Alexander turned his back on him and skipped away, out of the play, away from Komet. Komet didn't even have to make contact. He just eliminated himself. He wanted no part of the tight end. That's me. That's up to Joe Barry and uh, Gutekunst and LaFleur if they want to put up with all that. All right, the special teams. Well, Carlson missed wide left, couple feet wide left from 41. He hit from 25. Kickoffs were okay. Uh, nice tackles on kickoffs by Welch, Owens, and Rochelle. Um, so that's it on them. Anything about the Bears? Not really, Tyler. We covered them. They finished seven and ten. Um, they retained Eberflus. Poles is back. They fired Luke Getze and offensive coaches today. So they're going to rebuild on offense, and they got a decision to make it quarterback. I don't know. I had a scout yesterday just make an impassioned plea that these quarterbacks are just not as good on a field and a cold weather climate as Fields is right now. And none of these guys are. He says, stick with Fields, trade the pick, get a bunch of picks, build from there. The Bears had a good year. All right, that's it, T. That's interesting. And I can see that case. 
you you know what you have in Justin Fields. You you know how he's built to win in those in those conditions, which matters in Chicago. This is probably a conversation for another day, but you know, on paper, me and Monus, we both kind of agreed that it would be smart for Chicago to reset that financial clock at quarterback and draft Caleb Williams because he could be special. I mean, the plays that he makes at USC, we've all seen it. And I cannot wait to see the Bob McGinn 40th annual NFL draft series to see how NFL scouts view Caleb Williams coming this April for subscribers. But there is something to be said for the developmental clock. And look look what Jordan Love was able to do behind the scenes. Justin Fields has been doing on the field, growing, developing. I, I'm not there yet. I still think you have to draft the quarterback and – and turn the page, but they could, they could get a ton, <laughs> right? You, 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 you sell the fact that you're going to draft a quarterback and you convince a team to give up multiple first round picks for that. Imagine what that would do for your roster. Uh, yeah, you, you'd have to play pay fields, but you're also going to be bringing in a lot of talent on the cheat around him with those kind of picks. It's a fascinating debate. Um, let, let's say Jim Harbaugh goes to Washington, right? I mean, they got to have a QB. They're going to give a mint to go up to number one. I mean, yeah. Uh, but then I asked the scout, too, who's the best defensive player in this draft? He really couldn't give me an answer. It looks like it's going to be, you know, Marvin Harrison, the QBs up in that top four or five picks. So maybe there's not a, a real greatness at defense to take for the bears and they certainly need help on that side. They need help all over. All right, T should we go to Detroit, Minnesota a little bit? Yeah, that sounds good. All right. The biggest takeaway Tyler is the, the injury to Laporta, right? All right. It didn't look good. I mean, that knee was stretched at a really bad angle. Uh, Dan Campbell said he's has an outside chance to play. Let's assume he doesn't play. Man, what does that do for this team? So he's their second best weapon in the receiving core. Amon St. Brown is unreal. He's incredibly motivated by the Pro Bowl snub. He had a fantastic game to beat kind of a gallant effort by Minnesota. Um, All right, Nola Porta. You got James Mitchell. Now, let's look at Mitchell for a second. Let's look at his numbers. They drafted him in the... Fifth round in 2022, he's 6'4", 248, was injured, never ran a 40. He's got a 28 test score. He was a junior, fourth-year junior coming out. So, I mean, I've kind of liked him. And in this game, he got killed at the point of attack on third and one by Daniel Hunter. Carey went for a minus three. But yet he showed great hands over the middle, stretched out for a 24-yard catch. He's going to play. Brock Wright, who's missed a couple games with some injury, I assume he's going to line up and play. Boy, but without Laporta, oof, that's a really, really stiff blow. Uh, Jamison Williams didn't play in this game. I assume he'll be back. He had some injury. They got Josh Reynolds. Peoples Jones made a catch. Um, All right, the running game, they didn't get very far against Minnesota. That was kind of depressing for the Lions, I'm sure. Goff and Montgomery, but they're great threats. 
Uh, the crowd will be even louder at Ford Field than normal. First home playoff game since 91, right? Yeah, 32 years ago when they beat Jimmy Johnson and Aikman and the Cowboys. Um, then the Cowboy dynasty started the next year, 92. Uh, the offensive line, they're all healthy. They were fine in this game. That's the offense. Goff is healthy. You know, if he can get the running game going, Tyler, on play action off that, Goff to St. Brown, it's as good as anything in the league. It just is. They're automatic. They are in sync with each other. I mean, it's a hell of a weapon. Um, I keep thinking of that Lion offensive front getting overrun by the Packers, and it will not leave me. The Rams, I've hardly seen them. They got Errol Donald. Errol Donald is Kobe Turner. The rookie's got nine sacks. I haven't seen him. I remember the stuff about him in the draft. Man, nobody expected that. How good is their offensive front? On paper, not very good. I, I think the Lions can get after them. Kyron Williams, man, he's had a hell of a year. They got terrible kicking problems. Brett Maher, the ex-Cowboys, now there. Their edge rushers are not impressive on paper at all. So the Lions are, what, a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home? People respect the Rams. Stafford coming back there. He's got two great receivers, and he's got a good tight end in Higby. Uh, without Laporta, looks like about an even game, I think, Tyler. Let me get your opinion on the Aleem McNeil presence then. Uh, we have a story up at Go Along, sat down with Aleem and Allen Park. This was before his injury, when he really broke down his rise, his game, how he's different. Uh, and, and we've discussed the Detroit pass rush all season. I mean, they're tied for last in sacks in the NFL, 41. They need somebody, anybody, to give them something other than Aiden Hutchinson. I, it's going to help the secondary. It's going to help Hutchinson. Just somebody win a one-on-one matchup. And before his injury, Aleem McNeil was that guy. He had five sacks. He might have doubled that by the end of the year, if not for the injury. Uh, him him being back in the lineup, is, is that a game changer for Detroit? No. Because if you, could, you just got to steal a possession or two in these playoff he, games. He's not that good, Tyler. And um, he had 30 snaps in this game. He had one knockdown and one uh, one run stuff. But, let, but he is their second best rusher. Let's look at the interior of the Ramo line. The left guard is Steve Avila, second-round pick, a rookie from TCU. You know, he's girthy and pretty good player. The center, Coleman Shelton, he's been around. I mean, he's gettable. And the right guard came from Pittsburgh in a trade, Kevin Dotson, kind of a journeyman. Um, yeah, McNeil can do damage. They, Like you said, they are looking for anything. I mean – uh, John Kaminsky, who's been active all six, the first 16 games, they made him a healthy and active. And they they elevated uh, Alu Alu, who just came from wherever it was, Jacksonville or something. Um, Bugs is cut. I mean, they played, they're just, they're just reaching, you know. And on the pass rush, uh, the one interesting development, Hutchinson was great again, but Romeo Aquara. Romeo had probably his best game of the year. He came on waivers from the Giants. Romeo had uh, 
a sack on an up against Darisaw, the Vikes, who's been playing on a bad ankle the last half of the year. I just heard that yesterday. Um, that sack was voided, but he, he got it. And then he had a knockdown against Darisaw and a knockdown against the tight end Oliver. Akwara could really help him. This was his best game that we've seen all year. So, and then they're going to have to blitz. I mean, that's they're going to get after Stafford. Aaron Glenn will do that. He's got crowd noise on his size. And the blitzers, um, you know, Derek Barnes, the linebacker, he played outside in this game, early downs, and he was playing as a Sam in their 4-3 on the line. He's a violent hitter, and he's not a bad pass rusher despite what happened to him in that last game against – when did he blow the sack? I can't even remember. Um, Jack Campbell had 12 tackles, played pretty darn well. Secondary, how many yards did Mullins pass for, Tyler? 396 yards. Hmm. So in the last three games, individual receiver, Jefferson had 140, Lamb had 227, and then Jefferson had 192 Sunday. They're getting destroyed by top receivers. Now they're going to face Nakua and Cup. They're still starting Vildor, the ex-Bear. The guy battles, but Tyler. Uh, They're starting Sutton, who's a disciplined guy, but he gets run by every game. Branch is a solid nickel. The safeties, that's the other development. C.J. Gardner-Johnson played. He came into the lineup in the third quarter. He ended up playing 52 snaps, 49 for Kirby Joseph, and 45 for Melifano. So they had a rotation at safety. How'd Gardner do? I believe he gave up that 42-yard touchdown pass when he bid on play action, then the ball went way over his head. Um, He made a couple good tackles, and then at the end when the ball was thrown right to him, he made a nice low catch for an interception. Um. So that's their defense. We know their defense. Special teams, Badgley, their kicker, missed another extra point. That gives them two misses in about four or five games. Uh, Raymond, the little return guy, had a really good best punt return game of the season. So the Lions and the Rams, that place will be at fever pitch. It'll be a lot louder, a lot tougher venue than, than Dallas will be for Green Bay. Never my mind to win as you're kind of dissecting the the holes in that Detroit defense is there's there there are holes in a lot of defenses in these playoff teams and I think that's why I keep coming back to Baltimore and San Francisco as not fun as it is to just predict those two teams playing in the Super Bowl those are two defenses where you you really got to search hard to find a weakness <laughs> to find a weak link. Uh, where any of these other games, I, I can see anybody winning. And it's about stealing possessions. There, there's really not a dominant, dominant defense. Now Buffalo's defense has looked really damn good. And it's it, it's going to be hard for anybody to win in Orchard Park. But man, like Dallas is the two seed. Their defense doesn't scare anybody. Philly is cratering in every conceivable way. Uh, Tampa, Detroit, LA, Green Bay. I mean, who knows what happens with Joe Barry? I mean, go over to the AFC. I mean, Miami just loses their their, their two best pass rushers, Jalen Phillips, Bradley Chubb. Kansas City's defense 
is legit. So maybe I should stop myself short, but Patrick Mahomes hasn't been the same. The offense hasn't been the same. That's probably, you know, I guess, I guess we're kind of talking ourselves into it. I think that's why Kansas City should. No, don't forget about Kansas City. I mean, Mahomes in the postseason, what is he, 11 and three? He's been here before. They start at home. That that would be one team to to worry about. I think Kansas City, Buffalo in that divisional round would be one hell of a game. But I I, I can really see any outcome in any of these games mm. because yeah. of that. I mean, you you can really poke holes in in any of these defenses. I agree. The NFL is just so jump jumble, isn't it, Tyler? It's just hard to pick. I can see San Francisco going out. I could see the de- uh, I could see Green Bay winning out there. It'd be a lot harder than winning at Dallas, but they could. They play some really good football. So, yeah, I don't know. Good stuff. All right. Any final Keisha, thoughts? We... Got to begin memory. Let's go to that. So I'm guessing Brett discussed this, but I'll get into more of the nuts and bolts. Okay. So let's go back. 30 years ago to the playoffs, Green Bay and Dallas, the first of that Dallas-Green Bay trilogy, right? Um, all right, so Green Bay was 9-7 and seven at Dallas, 12-4. and four. Dallas was seeded number one. Green Bay was number six. This year's Packer team would not, would not have made those playoffs, you know? All right, so Green Bay won against Detroit at Detroit, the first game, 28-24. Um, okay, so then it was six at one. Cowboys were a 14-point favorite. They won the Super Bowl the year before, beating the Bills 52-17. to And Dallas would win another Super Bowl against Buffalo this year, 30-13. to On October 3rd of 93, Green Bay lost at Dallas 36-14. to this was the Packers' first playoff in a full season since 72. First time they'd been to the second round of the playoffs since 67. Hmm. They, they made, the, uh, made the playoffs in strike short in 82. Green Bay had lost the division title at Detroit in game 16. Eric Lynch did them in. <laughs> and uh, that was the Lions' last division title. All right. So let's look at this thing. Cowboys are a 14-point favorite. Uh, Mike Holmgren regarding the spread. That's a lot in this league, but the oddsmakers are very sharp in everything that they do. Um, I'm looking at this Dallas team, my scouting report. Greg Blosh, the Packers' D-line coach, he said, right now we are a tired, beat-up defense going against a well-rested, well-tuned, talented offense. You can try and do whatever you want, but we've got to find a way to get off the field. Hey, this is a tough task. Task, But David had a tough task. He dropped Goliath. You never know. <laughs> um, so I think we all know the Cowboys had 11 Pro Bowlers. I mean, this was the absolute zenith. In my Super Bowl book, Tyler, after doing that through first 46 games, I kind of felt this Dallas team was the greatest in NFL history. I really did. I picked them over the over those over those Steeler teams. I picked them over the '85 Bears. I took them over any Redskin team. I felt this was the greatest team. I remember that's what I came away with after doing the book. 
So, uh, so I'm just looking at my stories before the game. So I hung around the locker room on Friday, and then the team flew out to Dallas. This was after practice on that Friday, January 14. And when the players were out at practice, Ron Wolf and had had a dark green Green Bay Letterman's jacket with dark leather sleeves um, in everyone's every player's locker. He gave him this leather leather coat, Packer coat. One of the equipment men told me that the value was well above two hundred dollars <laughs> thirty years ago, and it was uh, it was Wolf's way of saying thank you. You know, wow. Um, Troy Aikman, who would have been a Packer, he was asked about going to Green Bay, and he said, people say, wasn't Troy lucky to go to a great team? But I did go through a 115 season, some tough times. I think I would have enjoyed playing in Green Bay. Jimmy Johnson, now, the temperature on that Friday was 15 below in Green Bay, that day of the last practice, 15 below. And Jimmy Johnson was asked about that in Dallas. He said, I'm glad I live, they live there, and I don't. There's no way I'd live there. No offense. All right, so my Sunday column, Tyler, is kind of appropriate for this. And the headline in the Milwaukee Journal said, History saying no to Packers. And on the jump page, the headline under the column was, Not their time yet. So we can be saying the same thing about this year's Packers, right? But I'm not. That Dallas team is a lot better than this Dallas team, Tyler. Night and day difference. So let's go to the game. And then after the game, we're going to have a few final developments that happen in the three days after the game. All right. Green, uh, Dallas 24, 27 to 17 over Green Bay. They didn't hit the spread. Packers covered. Uh, it was 24 to 3 mid-third quarter when Green Bay got a couple kind of garbage touchdowns. Um, let's see if anybody said anything interesting. Ron Wolf after the game, he said, hey, you've got to crawl before you can walk, but there is no guarantee next year. Look at the 67 Raiders. They never got back until 76. Steelers kept beating them. I think Houston beat them, right? Let's see if Wolf said anything else. History shows us that it wasn't time for this team. But that didn't mean if we hadn't gotten a few breaks today and if Johnny Holland intercepts that pass, we possibly could have won. Our guys fought them and played them hard. The ball didn't bounce their way. Um, we had a pretty good run. We've got a bunch of guys who are determined. It's a great stepping stone. We have an opportunity to do something special here. Uh, let's see. All right, let's see if there's anything else. I mean, the game, Aikman, Irvin, uh, Emmett Smith was kind of injured. There was a couple comments here that Frank Winter said, someday we'll be where Dallas is. Hopefully, maybe next year. We're where Dallas was three years ago. Frankly, I think we get there quicker. Um, and Bob Harlan, after the game, he's in the locker room. He told me, Holmgren just told the team, we're getting started. We're just getting started, and I think that's true. All right, and Favre said, I don't feel anyone on this team feels bad. We're proud we got this far, and we know we can get better. 
All right, so they lick, lick their wounds. Dallas goes on and wins the Super Bowl. So two days after the, uh, after the game back home in Green Bay on Tuesday, Wolf decides <laughs> he decides to fire his pro personnel director, Jesse Kay. And then after he called in Jesse Kay, he decided, decides to fire Bob Knoll, the equipment man, the equipment manager. And his and his brother Jackie Knoll, uh, they had both been around since 1951, so they had been there 33 years. Bob Knoll said uh, he called me in and he said he wasn't too satisfied with the way the locker room was being kept clean. Evidently, he didn't think it was good. So okay, and he fired Jesse K. So then, uh, <laughs> so then Greg Blosh, the aforementioned defensive line coach. Three days after this game, he quit, made a lateral move to coach the Indianapolis Colts defensive line. Why? Like they say in the movies, it was an offer I couldn't refuse, Blosh said. My offer is a substantial improvement over what I was making in Green Bay. Um, okay, yeah, he said that. So then Wolf came back a day or two later and said he took strong exceptions to Blosh's remarks, quote, we pay as well, if not better than most teams. I monitor nine or 10 teams, so I'm very sure we're up there with the big boys. Um, all right, and that's it. And then there was one more. So then three days after that defeat, the Packers announced their ticket plans for the next year, okay? This is their first playoff in a full season in 23 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the Lions, Tyler, a month ago, jacked their things up 40%. A month ago. Wow. And people are pissed. Okay, so Bob Harnell said, no, um, they're not going to raise their their prices for games in 94. Uh, Harlan said, I haven't even brought it up. I want to go three or four more years before we raise again. Average ticket price in Lambeau at the time, $25.78. Oh Average gosh. ticket price at County Stadium, $24.39. So that's it, Tyler. Um, so that, and then they had two more brutal losses to the Cowboys, right? Again, they just got beat. They had to wait their time, wait their turn. Three, three playoff defeats, 93, 94, 95, and then a dominating, obviously overwhelming Super Bowl triumph in 96. And then the defeat in 97, and then that was the end of that run. So we'll see if there's parallels to this year, right, Tyler? Yes. That 95 NFC Championship game, too, that's what me and Brett got into a little more at length. I remember talking to Tom Silverstein, our old beat partner, and to this day is fascinated by by that game and just thought there were just so many matchups, games within the game. That went into that. It was back and forth into the fourth quarter. Green Bay had the lead. You know, that's that's peak 90s football. Like that's when the NFL was at its best. And you had Farvin an MVP season. The Cowboys went in their last Super Bowl. Yeah, I, that, that if you're looking to go back and just kind of like rewatch a game for nostalgia purposes, that, that's kind of a, a forgotten one in Packers history, but it really propelled them into 96 to win it that year. And even though the fans wanted Dallas at Lambeau Field in the playoffs, Brett Favre absolutely did not. He said, no, well, I'll take Carolina. We don't need to worry about those Cowboys. 
Let me interject this, Tyler, too. I forgot the 49ers were the other elite organization and team of all, all those first 46. And 49ers, of course, were in the area you just talked about in the early to mid-90s. But I still think I like those Dallas teams better than anything the 49ers fielded. And it's really close, but they were so deep. And then they got kind of decimated by the start of free agency in 93. But that 92 team was just unreal in 93. 93 especially, I think. The Buffalo Bills would be much obliged. They would agree with that, Bob. Yeah. Wow. Well, that was fun. Thank you, as always, to Bob, to our listeners, to our readers. We'll have a ton more for you here at Go Long this week and the rest of the postseason. It's going to be a lot of fun. So thanks for coming along for the ride with us. Thank you.